Hey, uh, welcome to the book world, The Great Escape. I'm C.J. Peterson, my co-host, Mr. Michael Scott Clifton. So thank you guys for joining us. Today is one of our favorite days of the month. It's book review day. And why do we like book review day, Mr. Mike? Because we get to talk about what we love to do, mm-hmm. which among get- other, we get to read and we get to tell people about the books we've read. And we get to and share books about other people. So That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Other authors, other writers. Yes, other writers. So why don't we start with you? What book do you have today? Okay, so let me see if I can get this centered. Everybody see that? Okay, mm-hmm. too much of a glare. Uh, it is called, let me see if I, maybe it's better there. Okay, The Devil's Advocate by Steve Cavanaugh. And it is a, uh, uh, in the vein of the John Grisham books, it's sort of a legal thriller, uh, mystery, legal thriller. Uh, I've read, this is the fourth or fifth book by Kavanaugh. A little background on him. He actually was born and raised in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Oh. Um, And he is, was, is a civil rights or was a civil rights lawyer. Mm-hmm. and uh, practice law, I think, there in Ireland. At some point, he must have moved to New York City <clears throat> because uh, several of his previous books were based in New York City. And uh, if you've ever read any of his previous books, uh, which, which were based, again, in New York City, mm-hmm. um, you would have sworn that he grew up there. And I, it wasn't until I actually read a little bit about him. I thought he's from Ireland, Belfast. But his descriptions of the scenes and the setting, the buildings, the people, uh, the, just the flow of life in a city like New York is like he'd been there his whole life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I assume he must have spent time there because he, he was uh, too spot on, on on too much of the description to have possibly not have spent a considerable amount of time there. So anyway, his in his character, uh, make sure uh, I can get the uh, name of the character, um, is a, uh, uh, let me make sure, he's a, uh, uh, a lawyer, kind of like based, kind of like, kind of remind me a little bit of the uh, Mickey Haller, the Lincoln lawyer, which is part of Michael Connolly's uh, books that he's written about, uh, you know, a defense lawyer. In fact, it's as, mm-hmm. I think it's on Netflix as a uh, series now. So anyway, the uh, the guy that uh, is the lawyer here in uh, uh, in the Devil's Advocate is uh, someone who, uh, I mean, it, it literally it parallels a lot of what. Uh, um, uh, that's been written in the Conley books with, with Mickey Haller. Anyway, the, the this lawyer uh, does takes cases as they come to him. Somehow he gets wind of a case in, in a small Alabama, Alabama town of a young black man who has been accused of murder. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, the uh, prosecutor, a very uh, detestable person, um, apparently gets off on putting people on death row. 
Oh, uh, it, it's almost like a, uh, uh, a drug addict. It's, it's almost like a drug to him. Uh, he has this sadistic urge and pleasure on seeing people put on death row. And he actually watches, you know, as they, uh, as they are executed. Uh, and to make sure that he has this itch, this sadistic itch scratched, the people that come to him, this district attorney in this uh, small Alabama city, mm-hmm. um, he, uh, he cheats. He actually sets them up and he makes sure that the, uh, uh, the evidence points toward a a certain conviction, a death row conviction. And that includes any and all means possible to make sure that happens. So good grief. So witnesses that might testify otherwise end up mysteriously killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other witnesses who, who might testify for the defense are silenced somehow, either through uh, threats or through uh, bribes. And the, uh, the law enforcement uh, of this particular county and this particular town in Alabama uh, are under the thumb of this district attorney, either through the same bribes or through blackmail. Okay. Wow. So, again, this district attorney, his, his character's name is Randall Korn, K-O-R-N, mm-hmm. um, is uh, actually from a wealthy family and from back east actually Mm -hmm. from around the new york city area and uh he ended up a district attorney in in alabama in this small town and so he lives to prosecute murders and send uh, send felons that are convicted of murder to death row okay so uh kavanaugh's character takes the case they end up going to uh, Alabama and they find out, find out uh, pretty quick that all is not what it seems mm-hmm. in terms of the evidence, in terms of what actually happened. Uh, trying to think of how much can be said without giving it away. So uh, with Kavanaugh, it's previous books and, and it's kind of a there's a good and there's a bad, a pro and a con. So the pros for Kavanaugh, the way he writes, uh, he is a very, very good storyteller. He's very good at setting the scene and the tension and the conflict and the, uh, the, the, uh, the victims as opposed to the aggressors. Uh, and um, he, has, he does a stellar job with that. And that's one of the reasons why I like his books. He's also very good at scene description. Mm-hmm. He knows he is very good at describing people, describing acts that happen uh, and what something is looking like in terms that everybody could understand. In fact, he embellishes those uh, probably as good or better than any writer, uh, perhaps except that I've seen this that's, that is on par with him. Uh, would be someone like Stephen King, who I think does a real a really good job as well. So his characters are sharp, the descriptions are sharp, everything is crisp and clean. The story flows along pretty good, and it's going back and forth between the POVs, the the point of views 
mm -hmm. the victim of the uh, the uh, corrupt and uh, twisted prosecutor of the defense attorney and the people that work for him. Anyway, um, and of course, it, there is not one, there's not two, there's several twists uh, to the to the uh, end of the, uh, the book, the end of the story mm -hmm. that uh, I didn't see coming. And I've read lots and lots of books and I can almost always at least get a hint. I'm sure you have the a same big way, idea yep. yeah, of how it's going to end. But, mm -hmm. and, and I was a little bit right, but I was mostly off the mark. So I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't see it coming. Those are and, good. And so he keeps you on your toes where, you know, like, where is this going? Where is it? You know, it's going to come to a head. You know, it's going to, uh, you know, you're going to have the great reveal between the, the tainted evidence and the extreme measures that the, uh, the district attorney takes as mm -hmm. opposed to the courageous and, you know, uh, 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 lawyer, you know, defense lawyer. So, and all of that is there. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, it, it's it's very good. I love his books because they're always fast moving and they're always crisply uh, uh, displayed in terms of the scene and the setting. Now, okay. the negative part, okay, okay, is related to what we talked about last week, which is PC checkoff points in a mainstream book. Okay, that's Nancy. Nancy says it sounds like a really good book. Okay, it is. It is a really good book. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can tell that Kavanaugh may have, like I said, he may have lived in New York City because his description there is are spot on. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's ever lived in Alabama in a small town. Um, he pretty much paints everybody that is a non-minority that lives in this small Alabama town as a racist, a closet racist, or a wannabe racist, Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and that all the uh, 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 African Americans, all blacks, are are, um, uh, are are discriminated against and are persecuted, including the defendant who was uh, charged with murder of a uh, a person that he worked with at a local diner. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, you have the usual shots at the previous administration you know, bringing those back, you know, and I've, I've read other mainstream authors, like I mentioned Michael Connolly, and they have a couple of those in there too, but Kavanaugh goes to a, goes to the next level on this. And I didn't really like having, having lived in the South now in, in deep mm -hmm. East Texas, just like you, mm -hmm. and having been uh, born and, and lived I was eight years old in Florida and had a lot of my relatives that still live there. Uh, I know, you know, to paint because a person lives in a geographic area as an automatic, you know, uh, you know, race baiting racist is nonsense. Okay. It, it's just nonsense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I didn't like his portrayal of, uh, of the people in general terms as part and parcel, part of the evil district attorney. Uh, and the way they were bent toward minorities and things like that. That's not true. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to the degree that he went was way past what I thought was the bounds of just, you know, the, how do you put this? 
what you would expect like from a standard a level. Sort yeah, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it went past that, and it kind of distracted from the story, to be honest with you. And it, it, I, I didn't, and it, and that part also, while every, while a work of fiction is a work of imagination, okay, and it's not necessarily true. Uh, you know, you do have to make you do have to make allowances for believability in terms of the imagination and the way things are. And I think that Steve Cavanaugh stepped past those bounds. And I think that uh, it compromised, I think, the enjoyment to me personally of the book because I don't like when I read a work of fiction, I read just like most people to be entertained, to mm -hmm. escape. I do not like to get preached at or yep. lectured to. And I felt like there was some of that going on in this and it distracted from the story. It did not add to it. So, so as an overall, what, how many stars would you give it? Uh, I would have given it a, at least a four, maybe even a four and a half to almost a five, but because of the added uh, PC content that was totally unnecessary and the generally of, you know, of, of lumping whole groups of people just by their geography into a certain category in this case as, you know, white supremacists and racists and things like that. I would say it's a three, three and a half, uh, four that the, though no higher than a four and maybe a little less than that. But another person may look at this and read the book because it is fast moving. I mean, I would say mm -hmm. that it's a very well-written book and it's a very good thriller. And there are twists and turns, which you want to see in a thriller. And there are expected, unexpected outcomes. And just for that would have given it at least a four. But if, and some people can just read through that and it doesn't bother them, but it did bother me. Mm -hmm. So I would give it a, a three, three and a half. Especially since we literally just talked about it last week. So, right. right. Yeah, a little bit still fresh. Well, my book that I'm doing is going to be Deadly Keepstakes by Anita Dickinson. And this is one of the books that I read for Lone Star Literary Light. She's going to be having a book blog tour, I think, starting either next week or this week. Um, for this book in particular, the pre order was last month. And so it's a really good book. Um, I actually gave it five stars. It's the first one in what's called the Tory Winters Mystery. And in it, I'm actually going to be looking for the next Tory Winters Mystery, if that tells you how much I like this one. <laughs> uh, she starts off in Missouri as uh, like a nurse, a hospice nurse, and it starts off with a murder. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of goes from there. And she ends up being threatened because of this murder. And I'm not telling any plot points because that's literally right up front. And so she has to figure out how to get away from this particular scenario. And she ends up getting a call from this lawyer in Granbury, Texas. And he says he has some information for her. And that I'm not going to spell too much out for because that's an interesting plot twist. So long story short, I had an idea of the whodunit in this one and who was trying to kill her. Um, but for a while there, you don't know where this person is because she's been trying to be killed no less than three times so and it's like you're trying to figure out okay where is it coming from who's actually doing it and i had figured it out but i didn't figure out the whole reason why but she alludes to it enough that i was able to follow the path 
And so while it wasn't that um, keep me guessing to the end type thing, the action was awesome. Um, the ADD person in me was like enthralled the whole time. I literally read it in a day and a half and it's like 357 pages. Let's put it that wow. way. Yeah. I kind of with those not put down type things. And um, the action goes like all the way to the end. And the thing I love about her is I'm a bit of a history fanatic anyway. Um, and what she did was this has a little bit of historical aspect in it. And she explained the re the real portion of the historical aspect in the end. So you get kind of a little bit of a little history. You know, this is what where it came from and this is why. And so that was pretty cool too. And I like that aspect. But it's very well written. Um, the action just kept going and going. There are plot twists here and there. And it's like you really don't know who to trust. <laughs> and you can feel that. And there's a lot of stuff you don't see coming. So I would totally recommend this book. And like I said, I will be actually looking for the next Tori Winters mystery book when it comes out because it was that good. <laughs> I wanted to add one one more thing to the uh, book review, if we've got time for that, because I forgot yeah. to tell you that the name of the character is Eddie Flynn. Oh, That's okay. the lawyer. Okay. So, like Mickey Haller is the Lincoln lawyer for Michael Connolly, the author. Eddie Flynn is his recurring character in these books. And Flynn was a former con artist and a flim flam man, pickpocket, former thief that gotcha. turned to defense lawyers. So that I'd give you a little. So he kind of knows the back, the dark side of, of the way things are as well. He's worn both the black and the white hats. Yes. Yep. yep. Now, the reason I love doing this sort of thing is because I love sharing other authors' stories with people, um, especially if, like if you want a really good summer reads, this Deadly Keepsakes, like I said, is good. And it's going to be heading through the Lone Star Literary Life book blog tour, uh, which will be coming out shortly. I know my review for Shelf Life blog is coming out on the 28th of July. So I know that that tour is somewhere within that point. Um, so it's a really good book, and I totally recommend it. Also, for those with younger kids, Lone Star Literary Life does actually have a page for kids' summer reads. There's several books for children. There's young readers. There's middle grade readers, there's young adult readers. And so for parents who are looking for books for their younger ones, check it out. It's under LoneStarLiteraryLife.com page and look for the kids summer reads section. Um, i trying to think as far as different places for like reviews, reviews are important regardless. Um, but if you can be constructive in some of your reviews, like for example, Mike's was constructive this time around a little bit, and it was not destructive, it was constructive. He had a little bit of critique to it, but it was because it was constructive and explaining why he felt the way that he felt. Um, so if you can do that in a review, go for it, because as an author, I know I myself actually look for some of those, and I've learned from some of those, um, but I always post them on Amazon, and I always post them on Goodreads. Sometimes I'll pop over to Barnes & Nobles and pop one on there as well. Um, can you think of anywhere else, Mike? Besides Goodreads and Amazon, Barnes and Noble, mm -hmm. uh, Smashwords. Okay. If they're on there, yep. Yep. Smashwords. Uh, and iTunes, Kobo. Yeah, iTunes, Kobo. Um, Draft to Digital. Is that a Walmart? A if they're on Walmart or yeah, Target. Yeah. 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 There's like, Gosh, half a dozen or more of the digital platforms outside of Amazon and Barnes and Noble. 
but the big ones are like Amazon and Goodreads because that one right, helps boost it right, up. Right. Ideally. Those those are the two mo I would say the most important. Not to deliver belittle others, but it's where most of the traffic is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's most where the algorithms come mm -hmm. into play. Yeah. Um, so next week we're going to have, we weren't able to have Mike Wigginton last week because there was something that popped up, scheduling conflict. So he's going to actually be here next week and we'll be talking fantasy, which, you know, both of us appreciate a good fantasy book. Um, so we're super excited about that. Um, so Mike has some good news though. You just got your book up to the editor, didn't you? Or to the hey, publisher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very excited. Book four of the Conquest of the Veil vale series, uh, which is titled Conquest of the Veil, vale, which is titled Cavern of the Veil vale Queen, mm -hmm. the fourth and last book of the Conquest of the Veil vale series, I finally finished. And uh, we've talked, you know, we've talked before series books are great uh, for readers. Uh, for me as a writer, each book was a little bit more difficult because I had to keep up with everything that was mm -hmm. going on on the book before, make sure it carried over to the next book and that all the characters and plots aligned and that the last book, of course, that all the loose ends were tied up. Very proud of the, uh, of the, the series. And uh, I think this is a great book. The, the last one, of course, is uh, they're all good, but the last one, as I said, ties it all together. I started that writing. Last one, that last one is like the exclamation point. You can either kill a storyline <laughs> or you can make a storyline. You have yeah. to be very careful on how you do that. Right. And, and I think, I mean, we'll, of course, we'll see. Readers are the final, you know, adjudicators in terms of whether you did it right or not. But I, I did the best I could. I think it's, it's a really good series and it ends with a really good book. And what I'm exceptionally proud of is, and I'm probably going to do a blog post on this. And I think I told you that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I started this book 15 years ago, uh, more like, well, 18 years ago. And, um, and it took, it's taken this long for me to learn enough about writing, to become an experienced enough author, to be able to produce a series a coherent series, an interesting series, and one that uh, uh, that I f can feel proud about. That I, you know, that that it, it that I think that it's it's of excellent quality with an excellent story and excellent characters. It's taken me almost twenty years to be able to learn what I needed to learn and to write uh, the story out in a coherent and condensed fashion, uh, which in condensed into four four books. So that wasn't always easy for others. I know CJ, you're you know, you you're really good at you know getting a story out and a series out. I wish I had that kind of energy and foresight like you do, but it takes me a little bit longer to get uh, you know to be able to do something like that. And so I can you know like take a deep breath and uh, because I you know I've, I've it's hard to explain. But your last book in a series, other authors probably know what we're talking about. Uh, there's no feeling like it when you finally write the last word and you've finished and you've done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I had um, my Team Angel series books is what I call them. It ends up being there's a standalone and then there's five. So that's six, seven, eight, nine. There's a trilogy, 10, 11, 12, 13 books. 
And so that spanned 10 years to complete. And that's trying to finish that on like a high note. It's kind of like I said, it's, it's the author's worst fear to end on something like the series Lost, where mm. you just like tank the entire series with that last one. And so there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot more pressure on that last book than there is in the first book. Boy, that's the truth. That is exactly right. You know, that, that is certain what was for me anyway. Uh, and they, it was, uh, I don't know about your experience, but the, uh, the last book was the hardest one for me um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but uh, but well, part of it uh, is you have to continue to ratch up. Like, for example, the Sands of Time trilogy that I had, it's like you got to take it from, you know, for me, I'm ADD and OCD. So I start off with kind of things start to blow up and then they explode and race against time. And then out of time, they end up going nuclear. And so it's like you have to continue to ratchet it up without losing the the, the reason for the story to begin with. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. The original concept. Because a lot of times I've seen shows do this, too, where they lose the original concept of the story and what people loved about it. And they end up killing it. It's like you don't want to do that. You want no. to end it on a good note and you want to end it well. That is, um, that is exactly right. And getting an ending that is a good one that the reader is happy with, that the author is happy with, is not as easy as it might sound. And a good ending, I think, is critical to the success of an entire series. One only has to look at Game of Thrones on HBO and the last. Uh season yeah, the last too. episode of the last season and it's like everything up to that point that had been you know that had been good was just like it's like you don't remember that it's oh like that's the best they could do well they had you know? invested so many yes. years into something so you yeah. want to make sure that it's good but it's actually almost worse for a standalone book because i did a standalone book i've done two of them now the second one's coming out the end of August, beginning of September. And so it's like you have to cram everything in there, but you have to have that fine balance between making it too short right. and making it too long. And with the attention span of the way readers are now, it's like you got to be very careful. And that window between two and 300 is kind of your safety window. But you got to make sure there's enough integrity within the story to hold it all the way through it and that you're not like rushing at the end. Right. And if you if you have... If you have some, if you have readers that have followed your series, CJ, or that have followed mine, and you don't have a good ending, it's like they wasted all of that time and, and emotional energy invested in your books mm -hmm. just to have it end not well or yeah. with a with a with a dud, yeah, and, instead of a bang. Whereas yeah. if they found one of your standalones and they've read it and they absolutely love it, chances are they're going to go look and find out where you are right. and see if you have any other books, right? And that's uh, but, the ideal, right? But you know, single book. I say, I would say I've read, I've read books that I thought, hey man, this is great. And we got to the ending, standalone books, and it was, you know, what, what? I read all of this book, and that's it. I mean, I get that part, but boy, if I've read a series where I've had to read first, second, third, fourth, in your case, what, 12, 13, 13 books in a series, one, yeah. Okay, and then that last book. I've read all those books. I've been following along breathlessly waiting for the last one and we don't end it right the way I, it's wrong. you know, oh no, it's, you know, we're throwing rocks, 
might have thrown pebbles on a single standalone book, but I'm going to throw rocks and boulders if uh, if you don't, you know, if well, you disappoint it, me on that last one. And it's a challenge, just, you know, different types of things. Like, for example, the Texas Sisters Plus Press Holiday Anthology, it's 3,500 to 7,500 words. You have to tell, like, a complete story within 7,500 words. I mean, I'm the type of writer that I literally skirt 7,499 words is what I do. And I <laughs> literally, that is what my story is this time around. And so it's like, I, I skirt that line, but like the challenge of a complete story within that is unique. Mm -hmm. I can least. imagine. Right. So I like the challenge well, of that sometimes. Um, well, all I can say is that uh, it's been a long journey. I'm happy with the way it ended. And I'm also relieved that I'm finished. <laughs> uh and can you know take a breath now and uh i appreciate i do want to say all the people that have helped me along the way with this entire series including you cj including uh nancy uh e durham who did the illustrations who is uh, uh you know that, that did the map to my critique group uh lisa skip gary uh vicky uh leanne appreciate all of every you know it really literally does take a village to get mm -hmm. something like this done. And I appreciate the help and support of everyone that has allowed me to accomplish uh, a book series, which I very much cared about. So, you know, thank you. Well, everyone. And the beauty, the beauty is you have a spouse, Melanie, who is also as supportive as Trevor. Right. And, me. Right. and so it's like, without that, we couldn't do any of it. Oh yeah. I mean, that just goes without saying she is uh, put up with a lot at times, you know, to say well, the least. Well, I hate to say it, but we're at the end of our time. Um, so next week, like I said, we're going to have author Mike Wigginton, fantasy author. I'm pretty excited about that one. And we'll be talking to him at same time, same sandbox you found us, either on Facebook, YouTube, or LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great week and try to stay cool by reading a book indoors.